New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. Every culture and every generation has its ideas of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. Our guests today are Juna Arda and John Gray Wright. A conscious man is not a superior man. He is not more evolved or more accomplished. He certainly is not richer or more virile or more powerful. He does not have bigger muscles or a hairier chest or a faster car. A conscious man, in the way we use the term, simply means a man who has put some attention and therefore some choice into the expression of his masculinity. He is living his art rather than his automation. Today we'll be talking about what it takes to be a conscious man in 21st century culture with our guests Arjuna Arda and John Gray. Arjuna Arda is a writer, public speaker, and founder of The Awakening Coaching. He's the author of many books, including The Translucent Revolution and Better Than Sex, The Ecstatic Art of Awakening Coaching. John Gray is a leading relationship expert and author of the groundbreaking book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. His unique focus is assisting men and women in understanding and respecting and appreciating their differences. And together, they are the co-authors of the book, Conscious Men. Join us for the next hour as we explore the dramatic reinvention of masculinity in today's culture. With our guests, Arjuna Arda and John Gray. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Arjuna, John, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you both here. So I would really like to jump right in and talk about, you know, in these days, many people are saying, oh, there's no difference between the genders, uh, that we're all really the same. And John, I, I, I would like for you to start off. What is your view and experience of that? Well, I grew up in the 60s, so I wore pink shirts, grew my hair out, demonstrated for peace. And we might look at that as a man moving more to his more sensitive, feeling, feminine side, expressing all of who I am. And this is what's happened in our generation and generations next to that, is we no longer want to be limited to old-fashioned roles. We want to express all of we are, which could be, as the Asians will say, yin and yang, 
masculine and feminine. We want to be a whole person. So the man today wants to express all of who he is. And our risk as conscious men is to move too far to the feminine and not come back to the masculine so that we're a balance of both. The flip side of this, many women experience, which is they move too far to their masculine and it's hard to balance the masculine with their feminine. So what we've done is help men to consciously choose actions which will strengthen their masculinity to support them in this open-heartedness that they have as well. So are you saying, though, there is a difference between men and women? Oh, thank you for reminding <laughs> yes, me. That was a right. question. That was a question. <laughs> Huge difference. See, on a psychological level, you know, my daughter, one of my daughters, for example, was a master of calculus, okay? So these old-fashioned ideas that women can't do math or men can't parent, that's all silliness, okay, based upon roles that men were following, women were following. We can do everything the other sex can do. But what's different is biologically, women have different needs and men have different needs based upon our different hormonal systems. So on a biological level, we are very different. And if we want to grow in intimacy, if we want to be successful in our lives, we need to respect what behaviors, what interactions, what styles of communication, what attitudes and insights will help men stay on their masculine side as they open their heart. And what behaviors and interactions and ways of communicating will help women stay on their feminine side while they're also on their masculine side. And so what we see is in cultures where there's a lot of gender equality, they have gender blindness. The old notion is if we're going to be equal, men and women, then we have to pretend that we're the same. And we're not the same. It's so obvious. It's like the emperor has no clothes. It's men and women, biologically, our needs are so different. If we don't respect that, we end up experiencing greater stress in our lives and greater disharmony in our relationships. So much that so many people don't even want to get married anymore. Marriage is like going out of date because couples get together. Men don't want to make a commitment. Women often don't want to stay with a guy because they lose their interest. They lose their passion. They, they start out with it and they lose it because they're not able to respect and honor those different needs that men have and women have. I think that you've pointed out in the book, both of you, uh, Arjuna and John, have pointed out in the book that if, if a woman finds this man who's gentle and peaceful and, and, and so forth and, and really expresses his feminine side, that after a while— uh, she may get bored with that. Does that make sense? Arjuna, do you have any comment on Absolutely. that? Absolutely. You know, it, it's, a, it's a strange irony that many women say they want their man to talk about his feelings. You know, share your feelings. Tell me what's going on. And um, men don't naturally want to do that. It's not, it's not really the, the first impulse of the masculine. The masculine is much more, mass, much more action-oriented, you know. But so when a man does finally share his feelings, uh, women frequently get bored. And now she's got a best friend. She's really got a best girlfriend, but there's no longer that polarity. I was actually, my wife is away in Greece at the moment. And um, we, we talked for about 90 minutes this morning. It's, it was kind of the treat of the week. And I, I can feel with her when, you know, she, she, she wants me to tell her what's relevant. But if I go too much into indulging feelings, I can feel that the attraction, the polarity melts and then everybody loses. So it is actually really important for a man 
to primarily discover the incredible beauty of listening, the, the, the power of deep listening. Listening is not just a passive thing. It's, it's, an, it's an active gift. It's a way of showing up to be present, particularly for a woman where the listening it's not just about giving her space to express. The listening becomes a gift of presence, which is one of the actually one of the greatest gifts that a man can bring. Well, I, I want to go more deeply into listening, but before I do that, uh, you you mentioned something about polarization, and I know that you mentioned this in the book. What do you mean by the polarization between men and women, John? Well, if we think of when we talk about polarization, and we'd also talk about attraction, we also talk about chemistry. It, it's kind of a, a great metaphor for it is a magnet. If you have a, ma- a positive pole and a negative pole, they contract. I mean, they, they, they attract, attract each other. One. They attract each other. And if you have two positive poles trying to get closer, they will repel. So if you have two positive poles, you have a nice distance. But if you have a, opposite poles, complementary, like puzzle pieces fitting together then you have a strong attraction. So if you've got a, a, a woman who is more on her masculine side and a guy who's more on his masculine side, there's not going to be that much attraction. You know, a lot of women who are more on their masculine side, that means they're more independent, they're more work-oriented, they make a lot of money, they make a lot of sacrifices to make money, they're very busy. They're not really into cooking and cleaning. <laughs> they're, they're not into depending on a guy so much. They're going to be more on their masculine side. They're making masculine hormones. And these women will often say, you know, why is it that all the men are intimidated by me? And I go, you know, some men are, but a lot of men are just not interested. And the reason they're not interested is because there's nothing for him to do for you. Okay, (laughs) It's like, where's my job? You know, where can I be a hero? How am I needed in this relationship? Because part of what, what is masculine inside of all of us is the need to make a difference, the need to accomplish, to achieve, to make your mark. Uh, that is a testosterone-stimulating activity. And the, one of the biological differences between men and women is that your average man, healthy man, compared to your average healthy woman, is he's going to have 10 to 30 times more testosterone. And when his testosterone isn't supported by activities that, do, that generate testosterone, then his testosterone levels drop. And every man who has a heart attack has low testosterone. Every man who's depressed has low testosterone. Every man who has high stress levels has low testosterone. So testosterone is clearly the hormone necessary for men to lower their stress. And what's what's happening is epidemic in America is men connect more with their feeling side, loving side, connected side, parenting side. This is all good stuff. You know, I have compassion. I want to give to people. I'm generous. These are the other side of this side. This, those are not stimulating testosterone. They make estrogen. So if they're existing on their own without this other like task orientation, then it's not so healthy for men. Men, are you saying that men are task oriented? When we say men are task oriented, the problem with saying that is that so many women are going, but I'm task oriented. Yes. But what I'm saying is that when men are task-oriented, they will feel really good when they get home. And when women are really task-oriented, they often have a difficulty in shifting to relaxation. You know, one of the popular ideas of Men Are From Mars was men have a cave. We have like a mechanism that says, okay, I'm task-oriented all day. 
And now the sun has set, I'm going to forget all my problems. So our stress goes down. And there's lots of studies showing that when men are at a job, same kind of job as a woman, uh, they'll have almost the same stress levels at work. But when he comes home, it drops and hers, hers continue on. She doesn't have like a turnoff valve when her testosterone is up. So part of what we've done in our book is helping women to understand men so they don't resent men when men take that time for themselves to relax and to realize instead of resenting it, going, that's for me. <laughs> I need to learn to do that. But the way a woman can do that is different. You can't just simply say, I'm going to relax and forget all my problems. Men can do that to, to a great extent. Women, which is kind of paradoxical, by talking about their problems and their feelings about their problems, it actually brings them back to the feminine side. Estrogen increases the hormone oxytocin and estrogen, and that helps to help her relax. So we have different ways of recovering from the stresses of our day. And without that insight, it's very hard for men and women to give the support their partner needs. She's wanting him to talk about his feelings. And he's saying, oh, she's upset. I'll just give her some space. <laughs> <laughs> I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Arjuna Arda and John Gray. They are the co-authors of Conscious Men. And if you want to know more about their work, Conscious Men, there is an, a website that you can go to. It's called ConsciousMen.com. And on this, there's a free five-day mini course. So you might check that out, ConsciousMen.com. Or you can also go to MarsVenus.com for more information on the work of John Gray. And you can also get there through the New Dimensions website, NewDimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Arjuna Arda and John Gray, and we're talking about Conscious Men, and that's the name of the book that they have co-written. And I'd like to go back to polarization for a moment. And Arjuna, you had something to add to that idea of polarization mm -hmm. between the genders. Right. You know, the last, in various stages, in kind of, in, it's, it's gone in different waves we've seen the breakdown of unnecessary stereotyping between men and women, right? So if we go back even 50 years, men went to war, they went to do jobs they didn't really enjoy, they, were, they didn't feel their feelings much, they were hard, enduring, and then they eventually retire at 65 and soon after die of a heart attack. You know, that was, a, that was the world of our fathers and grandfathers, you see? 
And then women, of course, you know, they stayed home, looked after children, cooked food, and both genders felt imprisoned by these stereotypical roles. So what we've seen in the last decades, and it's a positive thing, it's a great thing, we've seen the emancipation of both genders that we can both explore whatever we want. There's no rules. Anybody can do what they want. And that's a good thing. Let's face it, for a woman to have the opportunity to be a judge, which she couldn't before, or a doctor or a lawyer, and for a man to have the freedom to feel his feelings and look after children, that's all good. Let people do what they enjoy. We, 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 uh, no one can really argue very convincing that people shouldn't have the opportunity to fully enjoy life in whatever way they want. But this is where the word conscious masculinity becomes relevant and feminine, conscious femininity. Because the fact that we have freedom to do whatever we want now means we can choose what's, the, what's actually the best dynamic? What's the best way for us to align ourselves? Now, a good example of this would be at home. We've got a big garden. We've got like a one-acre garden in the middle of town. It's a beautiful garden, and it's you know got lots of different plants. And at some point, I discovered that I looked at what the gardener was doing, and I realized I could do that. <laughs> I looked at everything the gardener was doing, and I thought, there's nothing this gardener is doing that I couldn't do just as well. So I suggested to my wife, let's fire the gardener. I can do it. And then she asked me a very good question. She said, well, it's true, Arjuna, you could do all this, but is it a good idea? <laughs> is that the best use of your time? You see, aren't there other things that you do better? You see? And then I realized just because I can do, I also love fixing the house. I love painting and I do woodwork. I just built a loft, a beautiful loft with all oak fixtures and everything. And just because I can do that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best use of my time. So conscious anything means that you're not just doing what you you're not just doing something cuz you are able to do it you're channeling your energy into the best the best use of your time and energy now when it comes to men and women yes i can go into my feelings and follow my feelings yes i can focus on very domestic things there's lots of things i can do but what and my wife is a fully liberated woman. She makes much more money than I do. She travels all over the world. She's fully, she's a Viking woman. She's from Norway, you know. <laughs> so everybody can do what they want. But we've discovered that to have the most fun, to have the most sexual attraction, to have a marriage that's really spectacular, it's actually a good idea consciously for me to bring a little more of the gifts of the masculine into the marriage and for her to br consciously bring the gifts to the feminine. Now, that requires her as a woman to consciously, deliberately practice yielding, surrender, lo loving. Because she realizes if she brings those gifts deliberately, consciously, not because she has to, not because of some stereotyping or rules, but because she enjoys that more. If she lets me be more in my penetrating, goal-oriented, action-oriented, masculine qualities, she goes more into these feminine qualities as a choice, not as an obligation, but as a choice. We have more fun. But what if, what if she is better at some task than you are? There's no rules. Then, we, no, then okay. we can play that way. We've just discovered that to have good sex, to have good attraction, to have good fun, to have a really enjoyable marriage, it's important to recognize that there is this thing called masculine energy. There is this thing called feminine energy. And because of the biology, in the marriage, if I lean more into the masculine consciously, 
she leans more into the feminine consciously, then we actually have a better time. So this is this is like I can feel people saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't this going backwards? Isn't this taking us back to the 1950s, 1960s, where we did have these stereotypes? Let and, me give you an example okay, of that. Okay, excellent, John. So in order to maintain polarity, okay, which is he's the guy, she's the woman, you can simply do this. You can say... I can go to my wife and I say, honey, what are some things you'd like to do next weekend? Let's explore some of those things. Not what I want. It's what she wants. That's the female polarity. She gets to have what she wants. Okay, so first, so I'm letting her be feminine. Like, what would you like? What else would you like? What would you like? And then I say, okay. And what she then says, being feminine, is you decide. <laughs> now, she's already given me three things. It would all work for her. Okay. And then she says to me, you decide. And I decide. And then you make the reservations. You deliver. And in that whole process of my doing that, she gets to feel she's getting what she needs, and I get to feel I'm getting what I need because when, we, when I take her on that date or I do that very thing for her, I'm going to be confident the whole time that I'm going to give her what she needs. And she's confident the whole time that he's giving me what I need. And that's polarity. And kind of taking taking over, really making it happen. I'm too. making it happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she, and so women, men will often say, I don't know what she wants. And quite often women will say, you know, we never do anything fun anymore. And he says, what would you like to do? And she'll say, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so so the romance is a two-way street. Right. She's, her main job is to say, what's going to make us, what's going to make her happy? Not even me. See, this is the great thing about men is I'm flying to China in in a a few days. Now, it's a long trip. It's an arduous thing. I'll be gone 11 days, but I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to do it because I get paid well and I'm making a real difference in the world. They love me there. So I do that. So because of the outcome, I can do something that I don't enjoy doing, but I will enjoy it because it has a mission. It has a purpose. There's something there. And the greatest mission purpose a man can have in a marriage is if this is going to make you happy, don't worry about what I want. What I want more than anything I could want on this particular Saturday we're going to have a date is to do something that will make you happy. So her job is to be happy. That's a great job for somebody. My job is not to be happy. My job is to do what it takes to make her happy. Now, who has a problem with that? Oh, boy. I like that I mean, that it's, a, it's a win-win. Win-win. Now, she can go to her job where she's in charge of the accounting and the business, and she's in her male side. Nobody's telling her not to do it. And that's what Arjuna is saying is we have no choice to express all parts of us. But in a marriage, if we want to create... He was talking about a great sex life and passion and attraction. That's part of it. But the other part of it is just to be in a relationship where you're really happy. Okay, so so many people today are stressed out. Yes. They're not happy. And so many people aren't even getting married because they can't keep the interest there. They're not happy with each other. And some people have addictions and drug problems because they're not happy in their relationship. This is a worldwide crisis in the Western world as soon as women started going onto their male side. You see, you can go to Denmark. The big study was, oh, Denmark is now the happiest country in the world. Yet I explored all the government statistics. I expected it to be this way because I teach there as well. And they have, they have the highest rate of alcoholism in Europe. They have the highest rate of antidepressants in Europe. They have the highest rate of divorce in Europe. They have the highest rate of single people in divorce and, in Europe. And compared to America, about the same. And they also have the highest rate of single mothers raising children without fathers. And yet they're considered the happiest country in the world? Nonsense. No way. But there, it's just this is the blindness we have today as people are taking antidepressants and committing suicide. They were happy. It's not happening. 
we're stressed. Our stress levels are higher. And part of why our stress levels are higher is that we're not finding the balance. So all we're talking about, our genus, is for men to consciously come back to their masculine, for women to consciously come back to their feminine just for a date, just for, for their interactions when they're wanting to find their balance. I want to go back for a moment uh, and before I do that, I, I'm Arjuna. Well, you... I wanted just to revisit something you talked about. Isn't this a step backwards? Yes, because we please. do talk about this a lot in the book. Is to understand the evolution of both masculinity and femininity historically. It's very, very easy to overlook history, you know. And that one example we give in the book is the the riots that happened in Ferguson, Missouri, a few years ago. And you could look at that if you didn't understand the history. You could look at a white police officer shooting an unarmed black teenager and go, well, that's just these two people. No, that, that incident sparked riots, not because of one incident, but because of a history of racial profiling that goes all the way back to slavery. And if you understand the history, you understand the significance of the event. Now, in the same way, you see, if we want to talk about history, we can see, we look at it going backwards, but that we need to understand the historical development that go back 50 years or go back to the 1950s or mid, through to the mid-60s, men had a stereotypical role that was a prison to them, right? And they, most of them, they, they took on the, the work of their fathers, right, so exactly, to speak. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Women had a stereotypical role, which was equally a prison. And everyone understands the imprisonment of a woman staying home and just, you know, doing the laundry and the, dish, and the dishes and so on. A la Stepford Wives, who all yeah, took right. antidepressants. <laughs> One of the scariest movies yeah. ever, I think. <laughs> so then we, we can understand historically there was a revolution against that, a, a good revolution at the end of the 60s into the 70s, where women said, hey, you know, I can, we, we can do all this stuff. We can be judges and lawyers and politicians just as well as any man. And it's true. Women can do all those things as well as a man can and deserve to be paid equal. No one's going to argue with that. At least I wouldn't argue with it anyway. Uh, men realize we also have feelings. We also want to connect with our children. Hey, we don't want to be, be so. So that was all good historical development. However, what tends to happen with human beings is they set up a new set of rules. And now the new set of rules becomes a man has to, you know, equally look after the children and equally do all this stuff. And a woman has to be career oriented. And so that became now. And this is the thing about like, political correctness, you know, that, that now there's this set of rules, which is the opposite of the original rules. <laughs> so, a, new, a new cell that we're yeah, right. in, you know, a new prison. The pendulum yeah. swing. The pendulum right, swing. Right. Now, then there was actually a third development, which you can see emerging, which is imitated masculinity. And I'm going to just speak about masculinity now because that's what our book's about. Imitated masculinity was a set of books that came out in the last decades telling a man how to be, okay? A man is like this, and, and, and I'm not going to mention which books, but there are certain books which provide guidelines for this is, this is what a man really is like. So what we are talking about is, you could say, a fourth step, which is not going backwards. It's an evolution out of all of that, which is, which is actually saying... Instead of living your masculinity as automation, live it as art. Art, you see, that's the definition of art. Art is taking something, any form of art, is taking something which might otherwise happen automatically and deliberately delivering as an art form. So if you think of a great movie, you know, there are wonderful films like, let's say, the film about John Nash, A Beautiful Mind. The subject matter of the film was about the anguish of mental illness, but because it was presented as art by great actors and, and produced in a beautiful way, it became a beautiful thing to experience. There's, 
There's movies about violence. There's movies about all kinds of things that are horrible in real life. But when they're re-delivered as art, the art makes it beautiful. When a man takes his masculinity and instead of living in stereotypical you know, gender imprisonment or a reaction to it, he sees the whole thing. He understands his biology. He understands the history. He understands his woman's biology. And out of all that, he delivers an art form, which is going to be far greater than following any set of rules. So what you're saying is that he he is coming out of this automation and now he's consciously living into it as an Making art form. choices, yeah. But it, for I, me, it's like my life is conscious. I choose how to express one part of me or the other part of me. I'm here with John Gray and Arjuna Arda. They are the co-authors of Conscious Men, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. here with John Gray and Arjuna Arda, and they are the co-authors of Conscious Men. And I want to go back a little bit to, to listening. And John, I'd love for you to relate a story uh, that you tell in the book about your wife and and coming home and her having all these complaints. Can you tell that story, please? Yeah, that's a fun story. It, you know, we've been married now 31 years, but we're going back now to like the sixth year of the marriage, somewhere in that range. And I'm a therapist, and here I am listening to women all day long, and they're feeling so supported by that. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to, when my wife has complaints, she was upset about something. I said, I'm just going to pretend this is a therapy session. And just keep asking questions and just tell me more. Help me understand that better. So what you're saying is this. And she said, no, that's not what I'm saying. I said, okay, well, tell me more. Help me understand it. But it was just literally, I'm hearing it. I'm really trying to get into her place. And at the same time, because she's my wife, everything sounded like a complaint about me. That's the difference. When I'm listening to the women in counseling, it's not about me. So that's the first thing. But I said, I'm just putting my reactions to the side. Almost like in a courtroom, I'm listing my defense, okay? But I'm being very in your good head. in my head. I've got my list over there for everything she said, and I've got my defense. And so then after 50 minutes to an hour, okay, this went on, but that's how long a counseling session is. Then I said, do you feel heard? She says, completely. And I said, is there anything else you need to tell me? She says, no. And I said, do you feel like I understand you? She says, yes. And then I said, well, would this be a good time for me to share how I feel? And she said, no. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? And I, she says, I don't know, but I'll let you know. She says, no, this wouldn't be a good time. And she paused, and then she goes, I just want to bask in the sunshine of your love. <laughs> and I was shocked that a woman who could complain to me for 50 minutes <laughs> could be basking in the sunshine of love. If I had that many complaints, I want, you know, you're bet you're in you know, I, I'm upset with you, but she was actually transformed by just being able to talk about her feelings. She felt heard. And so when she says basking in the sunshine of my love, a part of me goes, this is the male part of me goes, 
oh, I did something good. Whenever a man feels he's done something good and he's successful, his testosterone starts to rise, his estrogen goes down, he feels better. So I'd say my upset went from 100% upset. I was ready to just lay it out. Everything she said was wrong, and I had a defense. And, and it went down about 20% when she said that. But I thought, okay, I'll just sit here and wait till she's ready. And she started making me dinner. And she said, oh, I'm going to make you chicken and peas tonight. And, and that she knew was my favorite meal. So she's now like doing something special for me. So then I went down to about 50% upset with her. And I'm amazed while she's in the kitchen, she's actually like in a Disney movie. It's like there's bluebirds <laughs> and she's singing and she's happy. It's very hard for a man to be upset with his wife when she's happy because of something he did. Okay. This is what happens for men is that their testosterone goes up. We take credit for whenever she's happy. So then that night, I'm going to sleep. I'm still upset with her a bit inside. I didn't get to share my side of it. You know, she talked. Why don't I get to talk? All that pettiness and tit for tat is what I call yes. that. And then she went and she put on some negligee. And I'm thinking, holy mackerel, what's this? <laughs> so we made love that night and went to sleep. And then when I woke up, she kind of nudged up against me and she said, are you up? And I said, yeah. And then she said, well, you know, yesterday I shared with you my feelings. Well, this, this is a good time for you to tell me how you feel. And in that moment, all I felt was love for her. <laughs> I had forgotten everything. And I realized as a man, really what I was looking for is for her to be happy with me. I didn't really have to share all these upset feelings. I didn't really have to defend myself. I had to realize that I have a happy wife and I made her happy. And, I, and that, that helped define for me the masculine and feminine side because she was expressing herself. That lowered her stress, and I was listening. And all I have to do is listen with the confidence of knowing I'm making a difference. Like Arjuna said earlier, is that when you're listening as a man, you're giving a gift. I mean, think about it. What is women's biggest complaint? They want men to listen. And they I realized to be that heard, yes. to be heard and listening is the most masculine thing a man can do. And sharing her feelings is the most feminine thing a woman can do or a man can do. So we have to be careful. If we want to maintain men anchored in their masculinity and women anchored in their femininity, we create more time for women to share and for men to listen. And if he really needs to share, give it some space and then come back once he's feeling good and he can talk about what's bothering him. Not in the heat of the moment. When men talk about what they're feeling in the heat of the moment, it actually raises a man's stress. If women talk in the heat of the moment, if a man's able to listen, actually her stress will go down. And if she's able to communicate to him, you made my day. Thanks so much for listening. You don't have to fix anything. You don't have to solve anything. You don't have to change in any way. A guy can do that job, and if it makes a difference for her, what man doesn't want to do it? So this is answer all my clients. Men learn to listen, and women are so much happier. <laughs> that's a, that's really illustrates that difference right there. The way she responds to stress, and the way is with his. And in your case, that you you didn't jump in there with all your defenses, and you gave it some time, and you noticed, and you were present to, to what was going on with her, then that also released your stress, but yeah, in the, a very different way. In a very different way. That My stress went down when I saw that I had done something that made her feel good. Yeah. That's all men want is to be successful in making a woman feel good. Arjuna. You know— I think um, 
I'm not sure if this was already happening before we wrote the book or if it was happened during the process, but I really learned this for myself. And it's it's one of those things that I think I didn't know, and most men don't know, that when you allow yourself to sit back into the saddle and become listening, it's better to say rather than doing listening, you, you kind of become awareness. You be, it, it's in, an incredible empowerment for a man. I've discovered now, if I when I consciously do this, I have to train myself. When I consciously do this, when I actually put myself into a, disposi- into a disposition with my wife and I actually start to ask questions and let it be about her, whoa, something happens for me that I, I feel more trustworthy in myself. I feel more stable. And I've taught this now to dozens of men because I, I, I train coaches and I coach men. And every time a man gets this piece that listening is the key to him connecting with his stability with his trustworthiness, with his power, it actually becomes a practice you do as transformative as going to the gym. And what Arjuna said there so clear is letting the conversation be about her. It's What we men do is we make suddenly the conversation becomes about us. And I remember the first time in my marriage where Bonnie was upset about something, you know, life has its stress and, and she's not stressed all the time. I don't want to preface that, but it was one of those days bad hair day. And I said, what's the matter, honey? She says to me, ah, I feel like I do everything. And I immediately went, what do you mean you do everything? And she says, I have so much to do and, and, and I have no help. And I went, if you, have so, if you do everything, honey, that means I do nothing. I'm doing stuff too. And she says, I'm just telling you how I feel. Why does it have to be about you? And then I said, if you say you do everything, that means I don't do anything because we're sharing our life together. And she says, can't I just talk about how I feel without it always being about you? Mm-hmm. And I, I was a little frustrated. I went back to my cave, which is what I recommended men to do, was when you're upset, calm down. Just do something to calm you down and think about what just happened and think about how you contributed to it so you can solve the problem rather than be a victim. And that will always calm a man down if he can do that. So I analyzed it, as I've done with all of our interactions, which is why I've written all these books on relationships. I analyzed how did I contribute to the problem so it doesn't happen again. And I thought to myself, you know, if she was with another woman and she said, oh, my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. I do everything. The other woman would just go, yes, I know just how you feel. I do everything, too. <laughs> so it's the, true. It, it's, yeah. uh, it's just it's not having to have this reaction, but just being there for that person. And that's what a man can provide. A woman will provide, oh, I have the same experience. A man will provide a space that allows her to express how she feels with his interest and in trying to understand where she's coming from. There's another factor in here, though, where women can, we as women, divert ourselves from when, when we're in the middle of that complaint and, and he's maybe starting to listen or we maybe something like that. We are trained then to turn that spotlight back onto him. Do you hear what I'm saying? That he, mm. that we then start to listen and ask questions of him, and it, it's it's an like an almost a ref, 
reactive. It's a, re, it's a reflex. A that reflex. Is, it that happens she, so fast. And, and mm. it's so automatic mm-hmm. that when, see, here's what happened, which she's, she suddenly goes, what's he thinking? How's he hearing me? What's happening? So suddenly she needs reassurance that he's still there with her. And part of that is, again, understanding a biological difference between men and women. When women have a challenge, they tend to feel stronger emotion at a moderate level. Okay, so... And when men are challenged, they feel less emotion. So when the problem is small, men will tend to detach from their emotions. Now, literally, if you measure his hormones, his testosterone go up because he's trying to figure out, okay, what do I do to make her happy? Because that testosterone goes up, his estrogen goes down. Estrogen is emotions. So whenever a man is challenged a little bit, it's not a big deal, he's going to think about what you're saying, he will tend to pull away. And she will feel that acutely because she's feeling this connection and suddenly it disappears. You didn't panic inside and go, what's going on inside of him? And now you want to ask questions at a time when you should be sharing and he needs to be listening. So how do we break that cycle? To notice it doesn't work. That's the whole key is to recognize. And and what my daughter does, Lauren Gray, she also teaches all this stuff now in her relationship. When she's talking, she'll sense him pulling away. And rather than panic, she just says, you're just thinking about it, right? And he goes, yeah, I just need some time to think about oh, it. Oh, so that's just a great pause. question. Yeah, you're just thinking that's, about it. Not what rather, you, what... rather than making these assumptions mm-hmm. in our head, mm-hmm. we ask the question, oh, you're just thinking about you're it. You're just thinking about it, right? Oh, and then he a... goes, yeah. You know, you were asking, what do we do about it? Yes. And I think the, the key is right there in the title of the book, Conscious, you see. Right. Conscious. But from both men and women mindfulness, observation, recognizing, oh, that's the automatic. That's the automatic knee-jerk reaction, and it hasn't worked out so well. Yes. And you actually, that's 97% of the work is realizing, oh, that automatic reaction doesn't work. And then you just relax, and something more natural and intelligent will take its place. Exactly. And I want to point out in the book, the title is Conscious Men, but within... Every single chapter, you you have a letter it, to women, right? A letter to women. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a book about for women too. And here's 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 the problem, and and here's what women can actually contribute mm. to the solution uh, mm. to it. And and so I, it's just a fantastic book for both men and women. Mm. So even though the title is Conscious Men, it's it's for all of us. To Together, so well, I wanted to remind us. You of know, that. part of my inspiration with Arjuna to write this book is so many women would come up to me and say, "Where are the conscious men?" I say, like, "Really, they're all over the place. <laughs> they're, they're a diamond in the rough." Right. But this is how you bring out that diamond. Yeah. Exactly. I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with John Gray and Arjuna Arda, and they are the co-authors of Conscious Men. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions.
I'm here with Arjuna Arda and John Gray, and they are the co-authors of Conscious Men. One part of the book that really grabbed my attention, I really felt much more informed after reading the part about male sexuality, and especially about men and porn and masturbation. Mm. And I just, it really opened my eyes, and I'd love for you to share with us something about what you've learned in your research. I think it's important to understand that men today face a dilemma around their sexuality, which has not been faced by any of our ancestors for hundreds and thousands of years of history. So here's the dilemma, okay? It's to do with our biology. A man gets turned on, gets aroused through the release of dopamine in his brain, which is a precursor to testosterone production. So he's going to get, he's going to feel sexually motivated through the release of dopamine, and that is stimulated through novelty, all right? It's, this is, all goes back to, you know, how can the alpha male impregnate as many <laughs> females as possible? It goes back to monkeys, you know? So basically, when a man sees a challenge, a new woman, he gets excited. So historically, if we go back just, you know, 100 years, a man would go and would become very romantic. He would write poems and bring a red roses, all of that. When there was a challenge, first of securing the woman's affections, then securing her sexual bonding and then impregnating her, right? So it would be courtship, marriage, impregnation. But once he's impregnated her and now she's the mother of his children, she has a, a dramatically increased motivation to bond because he's her protector. He has almost no biological impulse to, to remain faithful to her because of the newness, because the dopamine is associated with novelty. So historically, a man... Because would, the newness went away. Exactly. Once familiarity sets in, yes. another brain chemical gets produced, which is serotonin. That's where you feel comfortable. Everything's predictable. But the newness, the challenge is gone. So then the dopamine isn't happening. It doesn't happen as much. So exactly. So consequently, then historically, it was accepted in many cultures. I mean, even in even in our culture here, that a man would impregnate his wife, and it was quite common. He would have affairs, go to prostitutes. He would, he would, he almost had a right. In if we look back historically, I studied literature and sociology at university, so you know I got to see how it was considered normal for a man to be able to pursue this novelty. Now, here's the thing: today. Men have become more conscious. Both men and women have become more conscious. And today, we're, the first, we're seeing the first generation, our generation and the generations that follow, who actually want to create a successful monogamous relationship. So I can say on, you know, for me, for John, for the men we know, the men we coach, men today, conscious men, they don't want to have impregnating a woman and then going off and... and, and, and uh, Having more women. Having more women. So a man now has a goal. He has an, and that's important to a man. He has a vision and a goal that he wants to achieve of a healthy, happy, sexual monogamous relationship. But this creates an incredible dilemma because now he's trying to have ongoing sexual relationship with a woman where there's no novelty. Right? So this is what happens. You see, a man now understands, well, if I want to be a good man and present with my woman, I need to go through some courtship. We need to have dinner. We need to talk. We need to talk a lot because talking <laughs> increases her oxytocin, right? But of course, if he's going to talk with her about her feelings, it's also going to increase his oxytocin. So what happens? After they've gone through all the ritual of the date and getting ready, they go to bed and he's got a limp 
He's got limp apparatus. Okay, he's, he's, <laughs> his testosterone his is testosterone way down. Is it plunges. Yeah. And so what happens? This is a very because I, I I talk to a lot of men that I coach. What happens? He gets frustrated. He gets confused. Why on earth is my biology not working? What does he do? They have some sort of a falling out. She goes to sleep. What does he do? He goes to his office, switches on the computer, and jerks off to porn. Right? Why? Because it's giving him the novelty. Now John pointed out something I didn't know. There's been research done that men who go to porn sites, porn, incidentally, is said to account for 67% of the commerce on the web. Nobody would believe that. 67% of money transacted over the web is for men watching porn. Okay, a man, there's research that when a man goes And there's to, some women And some women, porn, yeah, right. For sure. Yeah, okay. But, but yeah. not even close to Tiny men. Tiny percentage, yeah. yeah. So um, there's the statistics show when men go to websites, they, they rarely go back to the same woman. Right. If, if, if there's a website that has different models, they will go always to a new model. So right? they keep the novelty they going. Keep the no- it's all about novelty. But where does it become addictive then? What- well, it, it becomes addictive because the brain chemistry involved in going to a website and looking at porn is a completely different brain chemistry than what's required to maintain relationship with a real woman. There's touch involved. There's connection involved. But let's jump ahead to the solution because the okay. solution is so beautiful that you know we, we've kind of sketched over the problem. Now, here's the solution, which is so elegant and so wonderful and works so well. And I've, I've trained dozens of men now in one-on-one coaching, and it works every time. What a man has to do to get his relationship with his woman lined up with his brain chemistry is to start to focus primarily on her pleasure. Okay? So, a man is having sex, and this sounds a little counterintuitive at first, but a man is having sex basically to give her a beyond-the-stars orgasm and pretty much ignore his own need for release. Now, here's what happens. If a man focuses on his woman's sexual fulfillment, it becomes now another mission, right? It becomes for him another goal. It becomes novelty. It's like, okay, here's the task. I'm going to take her beyond where I've ever taken her before. That desire in him to give her the the peak experience is going to kick back in his testosterone. his testosterone. He's got a job to do. And, and that's actually the beauty of a technique, of, of, of a structured way of having sex that John developed called polarity sex, which works right. a dream. Every time I've shown a man how to do this, he comes out feeling confident, feeling a renewed love and excitement for his woman. And the, the, the interest in porn drops through the floor. It, his, the interest in porn diminishes. And he doesn't need Viagra. He doesn't need my Viagra because <laughs> because it's a positive cycle. You see, he right. gives he gives his woman an incredible peak experience, and what happens? He feels that, and this is the key thing for a man. He feels I'm the guy, yeah. as John says. He feels like a million bucks. You know, I, I yeah, I, I did that right. I, <laughs> I took her beyond where she's gone before. That creates a positive loop where when he now he starts to look forward to the possibility of doing that again. It creates confidence in a man, which is key to to healthy brain chemistry. John, I thank you so much, Arjuna. Uh, and John, I would love for you to say something about the uh, addictive quality of of porn and masturbating to porn, and, yes. because I think that you you know quite a bit about that. Yes, it's a it's a really big thing. And and real simply put, and a limited amount of time is actually many years ago I'd be talking about it, and is the young men who are doing the camera work on all my shows would come back to me the next time I did the show and say, "Man, you changed my life." And I said, "Well, what happened?" And he said. I've been, I'm a teenager growing up in an age where you can have all this novelty online, which men have never had all these women undressing in front of them. So it's just like, 
it literally stimulates so much dopamine that it would be the same as taking heroin. Okay, so what happens when, and that's an addictive substance. Now, what an addictive substance is, most people think it just means, oh, that means I have to have to do it again and again. No, it's not just that I have to do it again and again. It's I have to do it to experience pleasure, and normal experiences produce now less pleasure. There's actually a biological response when you have heroin, which is you lose 30% of your brain's ability to enjoy normal stimulation. So if I had a cup of coffee that gave me a buzz, okay, and I took five cups of coffee that stimulated way more of a buzz, then one cup of coffee will now do nothing for me. Right. And one cup of coffee is a normal relationship. And take that to the side. That's understanding addiction. It defeats your ability to enjoy normal interactions. The reason internet porn is so dopamine stimulating to such a high level is you're getting sexual novelty, which stimulates dopamine, but there's no personal real interaction. A real interaction will produce serotonin, will produce, which will moderate dopamine, keep it from going too high. Uh, a real interaction, particularly physical touching, will produce oxytocin, which will also keep the testosterone from going too high. So oxytocin, serotonin, the personal relationship aspect moderates your dopamine levels so they don't go to this super high level, which then downregulates dopamine receptors. And now normal stimulation, you can't even get an erection. And that's what was happening with these young guys is there they had go. a pretty girlfriend. They couldn't even get an erection right. with a real woman. They had to keep going for the not real woman, right. the fantasy. And that's what fantasy does. And add to fantasy electrostimulation of a computer it's right, right there as if real, but nothing of touch. And I want to just say this briefly, which is porn for men and male hormones is similar to social bonding that occurs through the computer. The more women become dependent upon social bonding through the computer, the less they're motivated and enjoy personal bonding with people in the real world. So male porn is, is you know, it is naked women. Female porn is Facebook. Facebook, where, mm -hmm. where they're not really having a real face one -on -one. to face. Yeah, right. as, as one yeah. woman said, yeah. who you have all these friends, but how many people come and help you move? Right. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, thank you so much for for sharing sharing that and and in the detail that you did because it it I think it's so prevalent in our society and it helps us to understand the whole chemistry of it. And Arjuna, you really shared so beautifully the the a way to go to to change it and to to be better uh, and have a more beautiful sexual relationship with your partner. So I want to just thank you both for being with us on New Dimensions today. Thank you. Total honor. Thank you. What a pleasure. Thank you, thank you so much. I've been here with John Gray and Arjuna Ardo. And John Gray, as many of you know, he's the author of Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus, uh, the, the book. And Arjuna has, is also a writer and a teacher, and they together have written Conscious Men. And if you want to know more about their work, you can go to the website ConsciousMen.com. There is a free five-day mini-course available there. Or you can also go to MarsVenus.com. Or you can get to either of those websites through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3586.
New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. For over four decades, New Dimensions has been producing weekly conversations at the leading edge. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions. Thank you.